0: Our guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Diana Carter. Diana is the founder of an online community for women who are seeking to learn about their biblical identity called Because I'm His, and she's on staff with a large local church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Diana is wise and hilarious, and I'm so happy to have her on the show, and this is actually her second time here. But today, I wanted to have Diana on to talk with us about how to find a church that feels like home and how to get involved in there too. I'm so excited about this topic because I know that so many of us want to find a church we can really belong to, but the process of finding that church is really hard. First of all, the whole process is crazy intimidating. Walking into a large room of strangers is not my favorite thing, I don't know about you, but when we do actually gather up the courage to go for it, how do we know which church to try? And how do we know when we found the right one? And once we do feel like we've found the right one, whatever that means, how do we go about getting involved so that we actually feel connected to the church and to the church community? That's exactly what we're talking about in today's episode. Diana's going to walk us all the way through it, and I'm so excited to dive in. But before we do, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up in just two weeks, on October 7th. Now, in case you're thinking, wait a second, what is this course again? Let me tell you exactly what it is and what you can expect from it. Love Your Single Life is an online course meant to guide you through the hardest and most confusing parts of being single and equip you to build a fulfilling life you absolutely love right now. My hope is that after taking this course, your life is filled with a hundred times more joy and peace and fulfillment and that you have a clearer understanding of who you want to be and how you want your life to look. In fact, by taking this course, you can expect to find freedom from the ways you've been subconsciously holding yourself back from the life you want to live and the person you want to become. You can also expect to feel more confident and beautiful in your own skin. Not only that, but I'll help you begin pursuing your own passions and living the meaningful, satisfying life you've always wanted today. You'll experience more confidence and success in dating. I'll help you gather an amazing team of girlfriends who will stick together no matter what season of life everyone is in. This course will help your heart be truly ready for an amazing marriage when the time comes, and that's just the beginning. One of my absolute favorite parts about the course is the private Facebook community that comes with it. In this group, you'll have a chance to connect with women who are walking through the same stage of life as you. You'll get to cheer each other on as you take steps to grow in your faith, in your friendships, in your dating relationships, in your identity, and more. My personal favorite part about this is that for the duration of the course, I'll be in the Facebook community with you. I'm there to pray with you, to answer all of your questions, and to cheer you on. It really does feel like a month-long girls' night. So again, registration opens up in just two weeks on October 7th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. One other thing is that I know that some of you may be listening to this episode after October 7th or in a totally different time of the year. Friend, that is totally fine. Head over to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list and then you'll be the very first to know next time the course is opening back up. I can't wait to share this with you. Okay, with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Diana. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who I have here on the show with me today. I'm sitting across from my dear friend Diana Carter, who's actually been on the show before in one of my very favorite episodes. Um, Diana, thanks so much for being back. Yeah, I'm super excited. This is I'm glad we get to both sit here in our pajamas and eat some drink some coffee. <laughs> we really are both in our pajamas. We're recording this pretty early in the morning, and I definitely had that moment when I woke up going, like, should I get ready? And then I thought, no, like, cause Diana's the kind of friend that makes you feel comfortable in your own skin. And I, that's like my favorite kind of friend. So anyway, I'm sitting here in my PJs and so is Diana. And it's just, (laughs) I hope you guys, as you're listening, are in your PJs too. Um, Okay. So Diana, for the women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do and a fun fact about yourself?
1: Yes. So my name is Diana Carter I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, with my husband Tyler and our new 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 baby son, Leander. He is four months old, and we are very much trying to figure out how to be parents. And we also have a dog, too, who I'd feel bad if I didn't mention. Um, <laughs> and I am on staff at a large church here in Charlotte. I'm a part of the communications team, and um, I love what I do. I love to um, love on, you know God's women just like you do and I've written a book, I've written a few devotionals, and um yeah, so that's kind of who I am and what I do. And then a fun fact would be, and you probably would not know this by observing my life or my lifestyle now, but I qualified for um the Boston Marathon, the and the second marathon I ran. The first marathon I'm I hardly trained for, and I missed the qualifying time by eight minutes. And I said I can do it. I'm going to qualify. And then by the next time I ran a marathon, they'd actually lowered the qualifying standard by five minutes. And so I really trained for it, and I qualified to run the Boston Marathon. So I, I always say now that I'm a runner and not a runner because I hardly run anymore.
0: <laughs> um, but that's, that's, um, that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. That's actually <laughs> really amazing, though. The Boston Marathon is really hard to qualify for, isn't? I mean. Well, and the um, fact that you had to lower your time by 13 minutes is yeah no and it, I mean, It was hard.
1: It was hard. Like I definitely, I was not saying kind things in like the last six miles. Like I was running it with a, a friend of mine, a guy who was just, you know, naturally faster. And I was like, you need to go, like, you need to leave me and don't talk to me, get away. And, um, I apologize to his wife at the end of the race because I was like, I was
0: not kind to your husband in the last six miles. <laughs> That's hilarious. Listen, no more can be expected of you when you have just run that far. That is amazing. <laughs> okay. So Diana, tell us, I'm really excited about this conversation. I, you know, you mentioned that you work for a large church um, in Charlotte and you and I have had some conversations where, I I mean, I just know that you have this huge heart and passion for the local church. And so I'm just really excited to talk to you today because I know that for a lot of us, you know, we find ourselves in a new season of life or a new city and we're like, I feel like I should find a church or or I need to find some friends. And I feel like a right. church is a good way of doing that. But there are so many options and or sometimes it feels like there aren't enough options and just the process of picking a church and knowing which one is right for you and then getting involved in it is just hard. And so um I have like a million questions for you today of just like how to go about that. And my hope is that yeah. at the end of this, women just feel more equipped to to make a choice and to find a place where they can get involved and, and feel like they have a spiritual home. So yeah, I'm excited about this. So before we dive into all of my like super specific walk us through this kind of questions, I would love to hear your, your background with church. Like, have you always been involved in a church community? Have you always had a heart for the church? Has church always been easy for you? And then really, like, why do you care so much about the local church today?
1: Yeah, no, those are all really great questions. I will say, and I feel like um, hopefully this a little bit validate some of the things I say, but I did not actually grow up in like a church going home. So it's not like I was raised by, you know, pagans. My parents are some of the best people in the entire world, but we did not have like a strong commitment to going to church growing up. So we went for like seasons or pockets of time, but church and, or like the Christian faith wasn't like woven into like the fabric of my family. And it really wasn't until I was maybe in like sixth grade, like that prime, like youth group going age where church became important to me. And, and when I say important to me, honestly, it was like exactly what you said, like it was something to do on Friday nights. It's where I met my friends. Um, I, you know, had good relationships with our youth leaders and, and all those things, but that's kind of when like my faith became my own. But even then, like looking back, you know, as a 30 year old now, looking back on that time. I would say, and I think this is natural, just kind of where you are as a, you know, in maturity, as a, you know, sixth grader, seventh grader, high schooler, even, is like, it was very much me getting, right? Like, it wasn't, it was like a consumeristic mindset of me going to church, me getting fed, quote unquote, or like, feeling good about where I was with God and all that stuff, it wasn't necessarily this like heart for service or like this love for the local church. It was more like this love for what this church could give me. Um, And it wasn't really until recently, I would say like within the past five or six years for me that like this care for the local church came about in my life, like this actual like, okay, okay. I love the local church for, you know, ABC reasons. And um, I think that that shift has really kind of even enriched my faith, too, because, you know, that we, we, you know, as plain and simply as I can put it, I feel like God cares about the local church. So because he cares about the local church and loves the local church, we ought to as well. And so it definitely has not always been easy. I mean, there have been times and seasons, even in my kind of adult life, where I have had the propensity to kind of distance myself from the church, you know, particularly, I think I've said this before, like maybe on the last time I I chatted with you on the podcast, like... I am a recovering women's ministry hater. Like (laughs) I have been, like very anti women's ministry for for most of my life, and for a litany of reasons. Some of them just because I didn't really feel like I identified with them. Like I I went to school in the South, and it was a Christian college, and so much of women's ministry was focused around marriage and um, you know raising children. And I feel like by the standards of the South, (laughs) I got married a little bit later then a few, you know, most people did and had children a little bit later. So when all of that stuff was focused on, you know, being a wife and being a mom, it, it felt a little bit isolating to me. And, um, I just couldn't identify even with some of the analogies, right? Like that are being used to teach or, or things like that. And so I've definitely felt that tension. And then even now, um, the church I work for here in Charlotte, we are going through a huge, 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 um, leadership transition. And it has been very painful for a number of reasons. Like you said earlier, like church is a family, and sometimes families get messy, and it has gotten a little messy to say the least. And, um, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to see it, it's hard to experience it. I, I remember even in my interview to, to work at the church that. Was and still is, you know, the the church home that Tyler and I attend. Um, but interviewing to come on staff, they said, like, hey, you know, are you ready to see how the sausage is made? Essentially, like, are you ready to get a peek behind the curtains? Because we do operate with integrity and we do, you know, do our best to follow Jesus. But at the end of the day, like, you are working with messy people, and they're messy people who love Jesus and are so in need of His grace, like we all are. But you know we're not perfect people here and how is that going to affect your faith or your relationship with not only this church but with Christ's church. So
0: I'm so glad um, they asked you that because that really is like I've I've worked um at churches and I've been behind the scenes in a lot of seasons and it is like it it stretches you in a new way kind of like finding out that your parents are human, you know, yeah, like they're not yeah. just perfect. Well and and I mean some of us find that out like way earlier than I Wish we did, you know, but it's, you know, you have this expectation or this hope for for them being perfect and them having all the answers and them doing everything right, and and it's it can be really disheartening to find out that they are like often just as confused as we are, Um, yeah. And and that's really true of the church too. And so it takes a whole extra step in our faith to say, like, to not put our faith in the church or not put our faith in our pastor or whatever, but to really put our faith in Jesus and realize that our church or our pastor is a group of people or a person that is there to help us learn more about Jesus and get closer to him. Yes. But ultimately he is our savior, not them. But that's yes. like a, a hard step to take. It can be really, really disappointing when things don't, you know, happen the way that we hope they're going to. Exactly. And
1: I think it just, when you go into it and It being either it's vocational ministry or even just being a part of a church. I think without that mindset that you just said, like the church's job is to point us to Jesus, not to stand in for Jesus, like it can, it can be damaging if, if we don't have that clear mindset, if we don't have that clear understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to, you know, ask you this towards the end, but I feel like this is the perfect moment to, you know, as we're talking about church and as we're about to talk about how to get involved in church I know that so many women are sitting here having really been burned by the church or having been hurt. I also know that, you know, as we're getting involved in a church, we're like opening ourselves up to disappointment. Like we, there are going to be imperfect people. Every single church is full of really imperfect people, just like we just said. And so like, how do we, do you have any thoughts for how we engage anyway? Like, how do we go in anyway, knowing that we could Mm. like, that there could be things that hurt us or disappoint us. Yeah, I. so
1: I think you um, hit the nail on the head, for lack of better words, when you when you said like, our faith is in Jesus. Like I even remember going back to my interview, I, I think I said this verbatim, like, hey, like my faith is in Christ and not in Christians. And so I think that that is important to remember. Like Christians are imperfect. Christians will let us down. Christians will make mistakes and disappoint us and hurt us. But that is not true of Christ. Um, That is the exact opposite of Christ. And I think, too, I I feel like I also said this because, like you said, I was really glad they asked this question, but um, something can't let us down if it's not holding us up. So if the church—excuse me, not the church. If Well, yeah, the church. If the church is not holding me up and and my foundation and not what is sustaining my faith— then it it can't let me down because what is holding us up and what is sustaining our faith and what is the foundation that we build our lives on is Jesus, and Jesus is the rock, and and Jesus, like I said, doesn't disappoint us. So I think being able to have that distinction in your head, um, and in your heart, and in your soul, it's really just a level setting your expectations. And I think that this comes in really early on in the church search process, in the process of you actually looking for a church that you know is a good fit for you. And I know we'll talk more about that, but I think it's just starting from a healthy point, you know, and. I mean Paul talks about this in in his letter to the church at Ephesus where he says that you know the the goal of the church I think it's in Ephesians is to like equip the saints right like in, for the good work of of ministry for the good work of Jesus and it's not to substitute Jesus it's not to point us to these celebrity pastors or to point us to church leaders or Christian influencers or or
0: you know whatever you want to put there it's to
1: point us to Jesus.
0: I love what you said about Something can't let us down if it's not holding us up. And I think, you know, there can be this tendency, especially if you've been hurt in the past. And I mean, I've gone into churches this way, feeling a bit this way. It's something I've been working through too of like having this kind of big wall up around your heart of, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to come here, but I'm going to come in with a major grain of salt. If I really protect myself, then I can't really be hurt. And I think like, I mean, I really understand feeling that way because I've spent a lot of time feeling that way, but yeah. also I think that like, knowing, nothing, anything we go into is going to be imperfect in some way. Every relationship, every institution, every business, every, like for some, this is a terrible analogy, but it's early in the morning. So you guys will forgive me. Um, (laughs) But like I was picturing, you know, a church is in some ways, I mean, it's a, it's a nonprofit, so it's a little different, but like in some ways it's a, a business, like money has to come in, money has to go out, like it has to run efficiently. And so the, the analogy that came into my mind was like a restaurant, you go into a restaurant and even the best restaurants in the world, like sometimes make crappy food. Like every once in a while, like someone on the, you know, team or one of the chefs or one of the sous chefs or something like wasn't the right fit or something happens or one of the logistic, like, you know, a shipment doesn't come in on time or something just doesn't get looked at again before it goes out into the restaurant. I mean, just every... I mean, really, I think, I think the better analogy is like not throwing out the whole bunch because of a bad apple or however that phrase goes. And so I think like, it is true that the church is never going to be perfect and it's never going to replace Jesus for us. But even though we have been hurt in the past, maybe, or even though like crappy things can happen, it doesn't mean it's, it's worth throwing the whole thing out. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so talking about the church um and you actually kind of started talking about this which i'm really glad when we're looking at church and the importance of it like what does scripture say about church what like, what can you tell us about um, and i know this is a huge question so um yeah uh, you don't have to like lead us through a whole <laughs> bible study right now but uh just like big picture sense um and you i mean you just kind of mentioned it like to equip the saints for for to equip us to to do the work of the kingdom. But tell us a little bit more about like big picture, why church is important, like biblically.
1: Yeah. And I think I said this before, and this is like where this is what it boils down to, like most simply to me is that like, I think of the the passage in Ephesians that is read at every wedding, probably <laughs> where Ephesians five, where it says, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Like God cared about the church or cares about the church and loves the church so much that he sent Jesus to die for the church. And if the local church matters that much to God, then it ought to matter that much to us. And and the fact that we are just literally like Jesus's body on earth. I mean, we see all throughout the New Testament that the church is referred to as the body of Christ. And so if we think even just practically, like Jesus, right? Like he he's you know gone physically, he's ascended into heaven, and as Christians, we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Then we are physically his the representation of the physical person of Jesus here on church uh, here on earth to continue the work of Jesus to continue to live out God's mission, right? Until Jesus returns in a physical sense, and so I think just thinking of it that way, like we are Jesus to the world, you know, we're the light of the world as, as cheesy and, you know, bumper stickery as that sounds <laughs> like we are Jesus here on earth. Um, and our mission is the same as Christ's mission. It's to proclaim God's name and to to point back to the Lord and and to bring him glory. I also think, I mean, there are some probably unpopular opinions about this, especially, I mean, I am like, authority adverse sometimes i don't like to be told what to do but it is the way that you know christians submit to authority we submit to the authority of christ but i think it's in hebrews where paul talks about like hey you know these spiritual leaders have been appointed over you to i think keep watch over your souls and like we we are supposed to submit to the authority of the local church and so that we don't become these you know rogue christians and i think what what's hard right now is i think we've seen or at least i have seen this and and perceived this and you may may agree or disagree with this but i feel like there is this subtle move kind of away from from church in you know generationally or or on social media as we kind of see this sort of like pick yourself up by your bootstraps type thinking or, um, and there's this move away from the local church and really kind of what I see in that is this move away from our need to submit to authority or like the call to us to submit to authority. And trust me, I don't like the word submit. Like, I mean, Ephesians five is hard for me. I've spent a ton of time in Ephesians, especially like in marriage, but that is not only true. For, for married women, um, it is something that is true for us as Christians, where we're called to submit to um, the authority of the local church. And then I think like most kind of excitedly, excitingly, however you would say that word, is that it's really where Christians grow. Um, again, in Ephesians, Paul is talking about all the gifts that he gave, all the gifts that are given. You know, we have the giving the gifts of the apostles or giving gifts to apostles, to prophets, to evangelists. And then I think it says, I'm reading right here. So it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood. Um, And then it goes on to say to the stature of the full measure of Christ, like church is where we grow as Christians. It is through the blending together of all of these gifts of the beautiful, like Tapestry of the body of Christ that all comes together where we're able to grow. And to me, that's exciting because I look around, for example, our church, we're, we're six campuses here in the Charlotte area. And we had a, a huge worship night, an all campus worship night this week, where just, you know, 2,000 people came and filled the sanctuary. And just the only focus was on Jesus through worship. And like, what a glimpse of heaven that is. Like what a like that is a a foretaste of the promise of what heaven and what eternity will be like for the believer, for those of us who are in Christ. And like we get to see that every day in the church. And I'm not saying we have these worship services every day, but we get to see that lived out, you know, practically speaking, in the local church. And I think like to me, that's a beautiful thing. To me, that's an
0: exciting thing. So I love that. And you know, you mentioned family, because we we um I think I can't remember if we recorded that, but Diana and I just, you know, prayed before we started this conversation and we were talking a little bit about like church being a family and how that can be really hard and, but also really beautiful. And I think there is kind of this tendency of, of like independence, you know, if we are like running the race by ourselves, like we can get there faster. It feels like tying ourselves to all these people, the, the being part of a family is really messy and really painful and really hard, but it's also really good. And, and Mm -hmm. the like scripture that came to my mind was like, in the very beginning, when God is creating man, like he said, every single thing was good. He made something and said it was good. He made something and said it was good. And then the only thing he said was good as he was creating life and our world in Genesis is that it's not good for man to be alone. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and then he creates Eve. So there's that. But then also to me, that's like more than the church being about like, Sunday school or small groups or whatever, you know, all the like just sort of logistical, you know, constructs we've put around it just to to organize humans, you know, <laughs> I feel like the point is that it's not good for us to be alone. Like we're not supposed to do this yes. alone. Faith and life are too hard to do by ourselves. And so church is, and, and it was in like in the Bible and it is now, even though they look a little bit different, like logistically it's, it's about us not being alone and and not going through life by ourselves and not like we, we get, I say this all the time, we get further, faster. And the journey is so much more fun when we're on it together. And that's true for ministry. That's true for marriage. That's true for friendship. That's true for every part of our lives. And the church body is getting together with your family in Christ so that you can walk this journey together. Yes, that is something that Tyler always
1: says. And I will forever say that my husband, Tyler, is one of the wisest people I know, but because he will just come out with these like quick, quippy statements. But when I was telling him about this and what you and I were going to be talking about, he said, well, Diana, it's so simple. Like God himself is community. He is the example of community because he's three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if God is community, and he's God, right? Then obviously us as you know, mere humans, we have this need in us for community. And the way that God has planned for that to manifest itself in our lives, as in the lives of believers, is through the local church, is through, like you said, being better together, going farther, faster
0: together. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're talking about church on kind of like a, a grander level, but like on more of an individual sense or on, on more of a personal level, like what can happen in our lives if we really get involved in church? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen happen either in your own life or in other people's lives, like personally for our personal Mm -hmm. faith? Um, I know we mentioned that like growth comes, comes from that, but I I would just like, I just want to kind of paint a picture of like truly what can happen in us when we, when we really get involved with other believers in church. So for me, um, God's people
1: have been one of the most like clear and influential ways that God has actually pursued my heart. So I feel like God speaks to me through his people. Um, and I I mean, I think that's probably true for all of us, but I feel like at least for me, God has put some incredible, incredible, you know, women in particular in my life that have all kind of dropped in my lap through the local church. So when I first moved to Charlotte about six years ago or six and a half years ago now, I was in just a really hard place. I was in a really just unhealthy relationship, was about to go through like the messiest drawn out breakup of my entire life. And I just like needed community. And I was in a brand new city, just like you said, and I didn't have anyone. Like I had a couple friends from college, um, but they were guys. And I was just like, no, like I need girlfriends. Like I need someone who's going to come over and sit with me on my couch and eat ice cream and let me cry. (laughs) And so I reached out to the church that, you know, I go to now and the church that I work at now. And I said, I basically said exactly what I just said, like, I need community. I need sisters here. Um, And I got connected to what our church calls a life group, which is essentially a small group. And um, through that, like subset of the local church. So it's a very large church. So life groups are basically at our church. What makes a large church feel small, right? Like we always say community happens in circles and not rows. Um, and so these are the circles that we get to gather in. And I mean, just from those women alone, I, I think three key things really happen. I think the first is that God used those people to kind of fill in the gaps of my my faith. And what I mean by that is like I was in that life group with women who have, you know, come to Jesus within the past five months But there are also women in that life group who have been walking so faithfully and so closely with the Lord for, you know, 15 or 20 years. And he used both ends of that spectrum to fill in the gaps for where my faith was lacking, to fill in the gaps for where my knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ was lacking. And these people, like we talked about before, they didn't substitute that person of Jesus in my life. They pointed me to him. So they were the ones who were ushering me closer to Jesus by either sharing about the revelation that they had experienced or sharing about some of the tough things that they had walked through in their faith, but then also pointing me to to the Bible, to what God actually said about some of the things I was walking through. Um, Another really great thing that happened is in addition to them kind of filling in the gaps for my faith, they also stood in the gap for me through prayer. So, in the things that I was struggling with, like they were the ones who were faithfully praying for me. I mean, we had a giant group text, and, um, you know, people would, some of them would text throughout the day saying, I'm praying for you through this, or here's this Bible verse, or here's this song I listened to this morning that reminded me of you, and I hope you cling to this truth today. So, they really stood in the gaps for me when if if I was low, they were constantly reaching down to pull me out of the pit and to, to point me again to Jesus. And then I think a, another like really important thing that happens in the context of biblical community, in the context of the local church, is when you are walking closely with someone, when you're walking in proximity with a group of people in true community, you've essentially given them permission to speak to your blind spots. Um, and I think that that is crucial. As we um, mature in our faith, as we look to become more and more like Jesus, is we need people who have the ability to um, and the authority to lovingly and gracefully point out where we may be either out of line or misstepping or veering, um, you know, in a direction that is not in line with with Scripture or what God would call us to do. And I can remember even in in like our life group. You know, we used to meet on Monday nights on Monday nights. Like we would say to each other, like, Hey, every single woman in this room has permission to call me out because I know that when you call me out, you're not wagging a finger at me and saying like, Oh, Diana, you know, she's doing this or doing this. And it's going to make me feel better about myself. But you're legitimately calling me out because you love me and um, you want to see me grow closer to Jesus and become more like him. And I mean, (laughs) I know I need that. Like, I know I need that every day. I know I need people close enough to me who who are going to have that authority. And so I think that that happens within the context of the local church um,
0: in the life of a believer. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. Use as directed. Claritin. thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash friendship. You know, I think that like along with, or along with accountability comes encouragement. And then also mm-hmm. just someone to like, do it alongside you. Um, yes. I know that some of the girls listening have have gotten to read my book, The Lipstick Gospel. And in it, I talk about how um I really was the only Christian I knew. I mean, I I my the people around me were not Christians. And so mm-hmm. when I became a Christian, it was a really unpopular thing to do. And yeah. um, I had Kelsey and Michelle, my best friends, who are who are Christians and they like were at my university, but I didn't see them every day. And I I needed like just a little bit more of a community to do this with. And <clears throat> after I became a Christian, there was like about six months where I didn't have, maybe less, I I can't remember the timeline at this point, but um, there was a, there was a long time where like I came back to school and I was a Christian and I had changed, but like nobody around me got it. Nobody else around mm-hmm. me was like walking the same road that I was. And there was some time where I was like, God, I'm out. Like I cannot do this by myself. Like yeah. I feel like faith is too hard. To, like anything, any part of life is too hard to do by yourself. But I was feeling that way really strongly about about my faith, and so the thing that really changed was I ended up going on this mission trip um, with one, with our college ministry. Um, I like say that Michelle tricked me into it, and which is like <laughs> sort of true, um, <clears throat> my best friend. But I, I went on this mission trip. And for the very first time, I was surrounded by people who also loved Jesus. And there were like 40 of us. And I really had just never other than Kelsey and Michelle had really never met Christians that I that I knew of. And I'd actually never met a Christian guy ever. And so like I'm all of a sudden surrounded by people who can be my mentors and people who can be my friends and people who can laugh with me and like a new guy that I have a crush on now because I found out that Christian guys are a thing. And I mean I just like all of a sudden had this group of people around me who were also walking the same path I was and the difference of like how deeply i was able to connect with god and how like fast i was walking down this path like towards him before i met all those people versus after i mean it it like lit this fire under me all of a sudden yeah. i just felt like my faith was able to be was able to come alive in a whole new way because i because i had people surrounding me and i just it was totally transformative for me like we like i feel like our our faith can grow to a point by ourselves like it can kind of mm. it, but it, at some point it hits a ceiling and having people around us to keep us accountable to teach us to mentor us or to just walk the road alongside us like breaks through the ceiling and all of a sudden there's no limit to how how much we can grow or how close we can grow to the Lord. It just is like, we just get further when we're not doing it alone. I couldn't agree more. And I think that there is something to be said
1: for the value of knowing that like, you know, for lack of better words, you're not crazy that um, certain things are hard and it's not unique to you or to your own walk with Jesus, that it is like a universal truth that, Hey, this part is hard, you know, like dying to self is hard. It is hard to not be selfish. And you're not the only Christian who struggles with that. Like to just know that there are people who, especially if it's someone you look up to in the faith, like your friends, Michelle and Kelsey, if they were people who you look up to or looked up to at that time, or maybe still do probably still do, but like as people who, you know, are walking with Jesus, but you know, that they still struggle, like that's hopeful for you, you know, because you don't feel like the odd one out or, or like something's wrong with you. So yeah, I mean, we need people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to like really just ask you a million questions about, about how to actually (laughs) do this, because like we know church is important on so many levels, but finding one and getting involved in one and choosing one. And like, I mean, there just, are so many tricky things about it. And so One of the things that I know I experienced when we first moved to Nashville was the fact that there are so many options. There are Mm. so many great churches that I could have gotten involved in that I really like got kind of stuck in analysis paralysis. Like, how do you, how do you choose out of all of these millions of options that are all great? Like Diana, how do we even get started choosing a church? So I think for me, it's,
1: it just starts with showing up. Um, I think obviously like there is like, you know, how do you even find a church to visit? Like you, you can Google, right? Like you can Google churches near me or you can, you know, drive around your town. I mean, you're in Nashville, I'm in Charlotte, like we're in the Bible Belt. So like, I think in the city of Charlotte, there are close to a thousand churches. Like there's like... Actually, physically, 1,000 churches about, which is just totally insane. So, like, yes, that is analysis paralysis, right? But it is, I think, if you're looking for a Baptist church, Google Baptist church near me. If you're looking for a non denominational church, Google non denominational church with me or near me, and then just show up. Like, I think, you know, to not enter into this like intense overwhelm, I think it's as simple as picking two or three churches and trying them out. I think, you know, Along those lines, though, it is very important to distinguish between church shopping and church hopping. I think when you church shop, you actually have an end goal in mind, and it's to find a church home. And that's where I would kind of suggest picking two to three churches and visiting them and giving them time. Like I don't think it's picking two or three churches and then visiting one one Sunday, the next the next Sunday, and the next the third Sunday and expecting to to find one that you like. I mean, that would be like suggesting that you go on several first dates with a bunch of different guys and then deciding which one you're going to marry. Um, I think that, you know, you have to give it time. So I would suggest going like maybe three or four consecutive Sundays at each church, just to kind of get a feel for what they're really about to get a flavor for what like their rhythms of ministry are. And I think that that is church shopping, but I think we can often confuse it with church hopping. And that's when I feel like there's not really any commitment to like, you know, eventually settling into a place. Like, I don't think that it's like the thought that we would find one that stick, but it's more of a, like a focus on like ourselves than on the church, right? Like, I feel like when we church hop, we're looking for a perfect church and we know that that doesn't exist. So I. I think it's like setting your intentions out and like just starting, because I mean, the way to beat analysis paralysis is just go and know that you're not like, like, don't get the church name tattooed on your forearm the first week you go, right? Like, like just go try them out and, and, and see what happens. But I think it's like crucial to give it time. I can remember when I was starting counseling, a friend of mine who was a counselor said, Any like therapist you go see, you need to give five sessions. Like you need to go for at least five sessions to um, get a flavor for their counseling style to if you guys are just going to connect because that's how long it takes. So I think that there is some merit to like giving the whole thing time.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the idea of a thousand churches is so overwhelming. And I think, you know, what Carl and I did in Nashville was um, we asked Some like we knew some people who used to live here or, um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I think usually when, when we're moving somewhere, we know at least someone who lives there. Um, that wasn't really the case for us, but asking just anyone that you can find that you feel like is sort of similar to you or maybe values some of the same things you do of like, you know, three or four churches that they have heard are good, just to, to narrow down the, the selection a little bit. And then like on people's websites, you can read so much about what the church is about and what they care about and, Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't replace trying it, but that kind of narrows it down a little bit. If you're really like mission minded, if, if like international service is really, really important to you, it it is to Carl and I, like, that's something that we kind of, we're just keeping an eye out for. And so the fact that Mm -hmm. our church really cares about both local like service and also like, you know, national service, international, just that they're putting, their like money and their heart and their time and their their where their faith is I guess yeah um, is was really important and so that's something that we were able to find out from the website and then as we started visiting we were able to see it like play out a little bit more so I feel like that's a you know asking for some recommendations can can narrow the pool a little bit totally and then doing some like online research before you mm-hmm. start to go can get you down to like three I wish I remembered the exact number but um, recently I was wedding sh- dress shopping with my sister. And, Aww. um, it like picking a wedding dress is really hard, <laughs> um, because you want exactly the right dress. It's, there are so many options. And I remember the, the woman who was helping us telling us that there was a certain number of dresses that like, you shouldn't try on more than this. And I want to say it was like 20, but that might be too many. I don't, but it was definitely not more than 20, but right. she was like, don't try on more than 20 dresses. And that seems Like to some people, like, yeah. And other people, it's like, are you crazy? There are so many dresses in the world. But she was like, after that, after 20 dresses, they all start blending together. You are totally incapable of making a decision. (laughs) Like Uh. you're starting to look for these tiny details you never would have noticed before. Like you're just not going to make a great decision after you look at 20. You're just going to get yourself really stuck. And I think that that's true with churches too. If we know that none of them are going to be perfect, but that so many of them are really good. Like we're just going to get ourselves more stuck if we end up looking at 20 than if we pick, you know, three and really give them a try. So what are we, what are we looking for in, in those, you know, three or four times that we try out a church? Like, how do we know when, like, how do we know what a right fit looks like? Yeah. So I think that, and you kind of alluded to
1: this, like that, you alluded to this when you said like we can do online research for a church before like we get there and check it out and so i think like that is so critical and most church websites you can easily find something that's like either there like they have a tab that says like our beliefs or our statement of faith or you know what we believe something along those lines and I would say that like for me, there's like three basics that I'm going to look at um, if I'm kind of checking out a church online. And I think the first is what they believe about the Bible and kind of how they're using it. So just kind of if I visited a church, whether I was, you know, visiting a friend somewhere or if I was, you know, church shopping in college or even when I got to Charlotte, like are they actually preaching from the Bible or am I going into a church service and am I just hearing like someone's own thoughts and someone's own like opinions? So I think being able to kind of get a feel for how they, how they hold the Bible and like with high regard or or what um, is really important. I think the second thing is like what they believe about the person of Jesus as, you know, whether as it fits into, um, you know, the Trinity, the, you know, Father God and the Son of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, just really digging into what they believe about Jesus Christ. And then the third to me that's really, really important is what they believe about like salvation, essentially what they believe about the gospel. Like, do they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the truth? (laughs) Do they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the light? Or do they believe that there are other ways um, to, you know, to enter into heaven? So those are the three essentials to me. And then basically everything else I feel like I'm willing to say is is kind of secondary. So that's kind of what I would look for. And then I think as far as like, what does a right fit look like? Or how do we know when a church is the right fit? I feel like bad that I didn't say this earlier, but I really, really believe that the very first step in this whole church search is to begin with prayer. Like The truth is that God really wants us to be intimately connected to the local church because He wants us to be an engaged part of His body. So I think asking Him to help us is really the first step because it's His desire for us. And so because it's His desire, He's going to help us. Like He's not going to leave us hung out to dry. So I think specifically even asking for discernment and like to put that in layman's terms, like help him to ask him to help you pick, like ask him to help you, you know, stack up the pros and the cons and to, to give you, um, like a check in your spirit if something is just not the right fit for you. Um, and so I think just praying and knowing that he's going to show up as you continue to show up is really crucial and kind of like with the wedding dress example that you just used, like as cheesy as this sounds i really think if we start this process with prayer and and continue through the process with prayer like you kind of just know when it's right so like i i mean tyler and i right now are looking for houses so we are putting our house on the market and and we've been looking for houses and like i can't look at a bajillion houses because i will get analysis paralysis i'm very much like i think i really tried on like 3 wedding dresses before i was like okay i'm done this is it. It's good enough. Let's get married. So I think when you, when you find the right fit, like it just feels like home. Um, I mean the first time I was looking for a house when I bought my townhouse, like when I walked in, even though I had looked at probably 10 houses, like I was like, this is it. Like this just feels right. And I was willing to fight for it. I was willing to put in an offer that maybe I wouldn't have been willing to sacrifice a few things or to put in a higher offer on a different place but because it felt like home I was willing to lay more out for it and I think that that is true when we when we we're finding the right church or the right church home for us.
0: Yeah, I love that. So Diana I lo- I love everything that you just said and and I think that's so helpful. And actually one thing I want to add really quick is you know there are so many really good churches around so many of us, like really there are so many churches in the U S just all over the place, um, which is amazing. One of the things like on top of really like wanting to walk in the same direction that it, that it seems like the church is walking in. Like that was the, the most important thing as Carl and I were looking at churches, but knowing that there were lots of churches who were, one of the things we were looking for is proximity. Like we Mm -hmm. wanted a church that was around us so that we could really connect with our our like immediate community. We also were looking for, you know, a church that had some people who were our age so that we could like really find people to walk alongside. But also Mm -hmm. we didn't want to just be in a church where everyone was our age. And so we made sure that there were some people there that are in the next phase of life from us. And so those were just like a couple more things that we were looking for. But I know that there's women listening like when you were talking about your three must-haves, looking through the statement of beliefs, I know that there are some women listening who are like, yep, totally tracking with you. Like everything makes sense. And I know that there are some women listening who haven't been involved in a church in a long time or maybe ever, or like who wouldn't really even know how to navigate their way around statement of belief. Like, cause they don't know what they believe necessarily yet. Right. So how do they, like, if, if you're reading someone's statement of belief and being like, I'm not sure what this means, how, what do we do about that? That is such a great question. I think that,
1: like, this is where the relational aspect, that community aspect of church comes in. So, whether you're looking, say, it's a website for a large church or a small church, and you were reading the statement of faith, going, like, hmm, I actually don't know what I think about salvation, like how someone enters into the gates of heaven, right? Like, I, or like, what does that mean? (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Like, I think that that's where, like, you go and, like, You ask someone. So, whether it is a a pastor that's on staff or somebody at like the hospitality area of the church, or maybe it's like a small group leader or whoever you can get your hands on, basically, (laughs) like there are people who are willing and excited and eager to answer those questions for you. And even at a church like as big as the church that we attend, which is like, you know, 6,000 people on any given Sunday, like. We have people who are volunteers. We have people who are staff who are eager to say, I would love to get coffee with you and sit down and have this conversation. And guess what? You might not get it on the first conversation. You might not get it on the fifth conversation. But I think that is where like, we learn from each other. That's the part of being better together. Because you know, to your point of somebody being five, six, seven steps ahead of you, maybe not in their life stage, but in their walk with Jesus, like you're going to learn from that person. And so I think it's just, again, going back to showing up and asking questions. And it is scary to do that sometimes. And it takes some bravery and it takes going outside of our comfort zones,
0: but it's worth it. And it's worth it every time. There, I'm so glad you said that because really I'm picturing sitting across like coffee with my friend, Lauren, um, who's one of my bridesmaids. She, was like, you know, a few steps ahead of me in her faith. I mean, a lot of steps ahead of me Um, when I was first becoming a Christian. And I remember sitting down with her and asking her so many questions and I just didn't understand like anything that she was telling me. And I mean, I did the same thing with Kelsey and Michelle in, in the Lipstick Gospel. Like what, (laughs) what are you saying again? And what does this mean? And I don't understand, but it was through sitting with them that like, finally it did click. And really, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the whole story of the Lipstick Gospel. I had a million questions. I did not understand what this, like who Jesus was and how he connected to God and like what salvation even meant. Like, I just didn't Mm -hmm. understand any of it. And so I'm asking them a million questions, but it was through asking them a million questions that I I was able to like really mull it over both in my heart and in my mind. And then like, really, that's the reason that I was really ready to, to, really say yes to God and say yes to Jesus because I had, like, had those conversations. And I remember sitting across the the table from my friend Lauren one time being like, Lauren, I finally get it. Mm. And it just felt like something had clicked in my heart. And it was because I'd had enough conversations with her where I just, like, I just asked enough questions and, and wrestled with it enough that finally I'm sitting across from her. And I just remember, like, it just all of a sudden made sense. And it was so amazing. And, and so people like Lauren and like Michelle and Kelsey, whether they're your friends or whether they're a small group leader, or whether they're a volunteer in the lobby, those are the people to, to talk to. And that's how you really yes. get to kind of figure out your faith. Yes. So Diana, one of the last questions I wanted to touch on was, I know that for a lot of us raising my hand right now, cause I've definitely <laughs> done this church looks a lot like showing up three minutes late, Going and sitting down, participating in the service, and then exiting like the second you can. And you, like, I know from experience, especially at first, it's you can go to a church for a really long time and never know anybody. And so, what does it actually like? What are some steps we can take to move from I go, I sit in the back, I leave as soon as I'm able and I don't talk to anybody to this is my home, like, this is my church family? Yeah. So, when you
1: asked this question, the very first thing I thought of was like my freshman year of college, I ran cross country and track. So like immediately was like connected to upperclassmen in college. And I remember the, like what the girls said to us freshmen, they said in your dorm room, like the way you make friends and the way you get connected to people and like find your people here, like leave your, your bedroom door open. So like when, not like all the time, (laughs) like when you leave lock it, yes. But like, when you're in your room doing homework, when you're hanging out with your roommate, just leave your door open on your hall because people are going to pop in. People are going to walk by. You're going to say hi. And it was almost like a way to show like, I'm open to, to meeting you. Like I'm open to, you know, you asking me if you could borrow a pair of scissors or whatever it might be. And it kind of was just them saying like, Hey, you're going to get out what you put into this. And so, you know, when we take that same idea and apply it to going to church, whether it is a large church or a small church, I think I said this before, but something that my church has always said is that community happens in circles, not rows. So, community is not necessarily happening on Sunday morning. Like, yeah, it might happen on Sunday morning when you're getting your coffee or lingering after the service, or maybe you go to lunch with people, but like, community is happening when we're consistently living in proximity to other believers and that happens in these smaller group settings these smaller like circles so whether it's a bible study that meets in somebody's living room or whether it is sunday school at your church in the in the morning or whether it's a small group like on a topic that meets throughout the week like that is where true community happens. And that is where we actually are afforded the opportunity to kind of process things with people because, I mean, this might not be true of all churches, but like but most of the churches I've ever attended, like we're not actually talking to each other in the service, right? Like we're not processing, we're being talked at we may say amen or, or things like that but like you're not processing alongside people and i think that's where the growth actually happens even if you look back and you talked about this in the beginning like yeah the church looks different now than it did back in when the bible was written and they they, they were gathering over tables they were gathering over meals they were meeting each other's needs and so i think like this idea of community is not necessarily lived out on a sunday morning but in the days between Sunday,
0: I almost feel like, and I've never thought about it this way before. But on Sunday, you like, okay, now, now that I'm thinking about this, this is gross. But um, like on Sunday, you eat the meal, and then throughout the week in your small group, you digest it. Yeah, like that's yeah. or or your body like uses it or something. I mean, that's how yes. it's how it like really works at our church. We're taught something new. We learn something we didn't know before. Where we experience. God's word in a new way. And then on Wednesday nights, we figure out what to do with it. Yes. I like that, like back and forth kind of process.
1: Agreed. I think
0: that's a great analogy, not gross at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like thinking about digestion and anyway, (laughs) Um, you know, something that this is like, I don't know. I hope, I hope this, this, that me sharing this is helpful, but um, so Carl and I, it took us a long time when we moved to Nashville to pick a church. Well, we picked one initially, but it was really, 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 really far away from our house. And so it, like, we, you know, we made some really, like, honestly, lifelong friends through it. But also, we were like, this just isn't the place that we're supposed to invest for the long term. Like, unless we're planning on moving down here, because there's just right. something to, making some friends on your own side of the city, especially when you don't have any. So we started looking around for other churches and it just really took us a while. And, you know, some of it was analysis paralysis. There are so many churches here that are awesome. And then the other thing is that we travel a lot, like we're gone a lot Mm -hmm. or we were just gone and we just got home a lot. So we finally picked one and it's on our side of town and, and we really loved it. But I like neither of us joined a small group for like a year And, you know, we would always hear the announcements of like, you know, small groups are opening. They call them missional communities at our church. And actually, if anyone's in Nashville and they're wondering like, Steph, where do you go to church? Uh, we go to Church of the City, which is just awesome. And there are campuses all over the city. But so so they call missional communities. And so we would hear that on Sundays, like, hey, you know, a new round of missional communities is opening. Like, if you want to join. And we never joined because we're like, we're going to be there like half the time. Mm. And finally, we, we met the first person we met at our church. Like, we went there forever without knowing anybody. And we were talking to her and she's like, hey, are you part of a missional community? And we're like, no, we travel all the time. And she said something that honestly changed community for me here in Nashville and this was just a couple of years ago. She said, "Guys, this is Nashville. Like everyone travels all the time. Like it's a very transient city." And and she's like, "Everyone travels all the time." And she said, "I would travel so much for work. I'm the leader of a small group and I'm never there." <sighs> and she was like, "Seriously, like join anyway." And so we did. And this doesn't always happen, but the first group, we joined her group and the first group we joined was such a good fit for us. And it has been such a good fit for us. And the truth is we miss a lot of Wednesdays, but Mm. the truth is so does she, and so does everybody else. And it's, so it's not the most like, like our attendance record is like a little rough for all of us, but it's so beautiful because we are still able to be involved. And I think that that's the permission I needed was like in, in this season of life, we're gone a lot. But that doesn't mean that we're discounted from being involved in our church community. And so we are, we're really involved when we're here and it has made all the difference. Like going into church on Sundays, like knowing that on Sunday, when we go, we're going to see familiar faces and we're going to get to laugh and talk with friends that we know and love and catch up and that we... we just have our people at the church has made such a difference. And yeah. uh, and I, I needed that permission that we could join even if our schedules were crazy and even if our attendance was going to be really pretty, pretty sketchy. Yeah. Be like <laughs> really don't let that discount you from joining in.
1: That is so good. That's so good. I mean, there are so many. I, it, Charlotte is the same way as Nashville. Like there's, it's such a transient city and there are so many people who like, I have friends who are consultants, whatever that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> They will travel from like Tuesday or like Sunday to Thursday. Yeah. And so like, they're not here during the week. And, but like the biggest thing that they have said is like, we still need to be connected in some way, shape or form. And so I think that's such great. That's such a great word.
0: I, I mean, I really needed it. So if anyone else needs it, there's, there it is for you too. And Diana, I'm just really glad that you mentioned this thing of, of small groups and of joining in because it, it is the quickest way to make a bunch of friends. It is the quickest way to feel like a church is a home. And like, granted, there are some times where either you have to join a couple before you find the right fit. Yes, yes. And so if, if it's not the right fit at first, if you're like, ah, these people have nothing in common with me, like give it another try. Or if you do join and it's like, okay, sometimes it takes a while to get great. And I think yes. usually it takes a while to get great. And so like really stick it out, but it is the quickest way to feel at home in a church. It is the quickest way to make friends. And so I'm just really glad you mentioned that. Hmm. Diana, last but not least, I want to ask you, like, do you have any final words of encouragement for women who have been struggling to find a church community and get connected? I think I would say is like, let Jesus take the pressure off.
1: And what I mean by that is like, he wants you to be a part of a local church. This is not like some big, like God dream that like you need to wonder is if if it's going to happen or not. Like, God's desire for you is to be a part of his local church and to be deeply connected to his family in that way. And so I think to your point, like sometimes it takes time, but I think it's important to remember that God is going to honor your search and he's going to honor, um, your heart and your desire to just, um, kind of be in line with what he wants for you. And so, I think that that's the first thing I would say. And then the second is like because I feel like analysis paralysis is is a huge issue, even if you live in a place where there aren't a thousand options, maybe there's two options that you're stuck between. Maybe you have only access to two options and you just don't know which one is the right fit. Like just keep showing up. Like I think so much of our life and so much of our relationships, whether it's with you know friends or dating or spouses or the church, is like, just keep showing up because I think we're kind of used to in our culture and in this day and age of like this quick satisfaction or, or like microwave, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like quick results, but good things take time sometimes. And, um, I think when we keep showing up, like we're giving God the space to work in our hearts and in our
0: lives. I love that. I love that. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad you had me back. You guys, isn't Diana amazing? I just loved this conversation. Don't forget that if you ever wanna find any links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog and you'll find links for everything, including links for Diana so you can follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Friends, that's it for today, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it would mean so much to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls Night, and I will see you next week.